0: Get ready. Today's show is going to bring you hope. Hello, and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. I am your host, Heidi Mortensen, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. And I'm so excited to have with me Dr. Rob Reamer, here with me today, um, who I actually know from a therapist of mine, Mai, and he knows her from many years back. So I'm just very grateful for the connection and the opportunity um, and the training that he has done with her and her husband, Steve. Um, So go ahead and say hi, Rob. Thank you for being on with me.
1: Well, I'm glad to be with you, Heidi. Hello, everyone. Welcome and uh, glad for a chance to have an opportunity to meet you like this.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't think if any of you guys really know what he has done, Rob has written Soul Care. And so he is a legend in the work of healing our souls and really, really good with all sorts of churches. So not just one specific type of church. Um, So I really think what he carries is really important. Very biblical Um, But really, Holy Spirit led and really the power of the full power of what God can do. So, Rob, I'd love if you could just introduce yourself and um, share a little bit about your testimony, too, and how you even got into this work.
1: Yeah. So I didn't actually set out to write a book or do conferences. I do soul care conferences all over the world, but that wasn't really my intention. It was much simpler. Jen and I had planted a church in the Boston area, the church was growing, people were coming to faith in Christ, good things were happening, and my wife didn't like me anymore. And, you know, I think kind of typically, like when, you know, someone doesn't like you, you start to pray that God will heal them, fix them, change them, deliver them, and you sort of focus on them. And after all, they're (laughs) upset, so they're clearly the problem, right? But you know, you can never fix a relational problem by focusing on the other person. Absolutely. Takes two healthy people to have a healthy relationship. And I finally got there where I went, hey, the only person I'm responsible for is me. Mm. So I need to become a healthier me if we're going to start to have healthier interactions. So that led me on this journey to figure out how to change. Truth is the church hadn't really taught me how to change. They taught me how to behave Hmm. and they really taught me what to do, like read your Bible and pray. But I'm reading my Bible and praying like crazy and we're not getting any better. Hmm. And I realized like I have to figure out how authentic life change actually Hmm. works Hmm. That's really what you're reading in soul care is the journey to figure out what are the principles of deep life change? How do you get there? And then, you know, how do you integrate them into your life? For a lot of us, the problem is the lack of integration. We know these things, but we're not living these things. So, for example, like our identity in Christ, right? We know we're deeply loved by God. But that's not really the right question. Again, so often in church, we ask the wrong question. We Mm. say to someone, Do you know your identity in Christ? Do you know you're loved by God? Yeah, but you know it. If you've been to church, read your Bible, you know this stuff. The right question would be Are you living in all of your human interactions like a deeply loved person?
0: Mm.
1: See, that's when you really started to integrate this stuff. And that's what I had to figure out. How do I move past knowledge of the right things to integration of that knowledge so I'm living like a deeply loved person? And I had to figure out how to live out faith.
0: Yeah, I was so impressed by how, first of all, the fact that you can even say that now just means that you're, you know, it's called a testimony. I think there's some people listening that are like, oh my gosh, I can't stand my spouse. And, And there's a lot of like triggering that comes up and they can even feel it in their body where it's kind of, you know, they're angry and they're frustrated. Um, So you didn't start out calm, you know, when you talked about this, you started out um, in kind of some of the earlier things you talked about that you were actually very defensive and you were very defensive and your wife actually said that you weren't hearing her. And so what I loved about what you talked about with you and your wife is that you took time and you took, you took time with your wife and you took time with God And you sat and just, even though they're really difficult conversations with her, you sat and you guys took time where you actually listened to her. Well, you know, tried to listen at, you know. So could you maybe talk about how you learned how to listen to her? Because at first you were defensive and yeah. yeah.
1: So, I mean, in the beginning of conversations, you know, obviously she's upset, right? So I would ask her, what are you upset about? What are you angry about? And she would tell me, I just asked her. So she would tell me. But of course, her thoughts aren't really clear, well-processed thoughts. It's scattershot, like a shotgun, right? Lots of emotion in all this. And, you know, I, I'm feeling all the heat of the emotion and I would defend myself. And, you know, of course, as soon as I defend myself, she doesn't feel heard. She doesn't feel listened to. She doesn't feel validated. So she immediately escalates mm. or it up, right? And now I'm feeling more hurt. And I'm more offended. And so I would escalate. And we were literally having these counterproductive conversations where we're trying to communicate about really hot topics, getting nowhere. And finally, one day I'm alone with the Lord. And I said, Lord, we're not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. We we keep having these conversations. We're not making any progress. I need you to help me. And I heard the Lord. And he just said to me, never defend yourself again. Only insecure people defend themselves. Secure people do not need to defend themselves. You are deflecting wow. the light I offer as an opportunity to grow every time you defend yourself. And um, and then I thought about Jesus, right? I mean, you think about Jesus, you think about Jesus, first Peter chapter two, and he's, he's accused, he's attacked, and he's insulted and all this kind of stuff, obviously later crucified. And so he's getting all these attacks against him, but yet it says he did not retaliate. Hmm. He does not defend himself. And then Peter goes on to make this statement. Instead, he says, he entrusted himself to his father's just opinion. Ah, see, that's the key. Jesus was so certain of his father's opinion of him, he didn't rely on other people's opinions of him when we have entrusted ourselves to other people's opinion and they criticize us we are naturally defensive but when we are deeply entrusted to the father's opinion of us we don't need to defend ourselves because the father's opinion is eternal and true everyone else's opinion is temporal and often false and when you've entrusted yourself to other people's opinions you will always be insecure And I had to get to the place where I was really only entrusting myself to the father's opinion and living like a deeply loved person in my interactions with Jen. That enabled me to start to listen. I would go into these conversations still feeling defensive. Mm -hmm. but I had secured myself on the foundation that I'm deeply loved by God. The issue of my value was settled at the cross. And then I would come in and I determined I would not defend myself. So hmm. she would say stuff and I would still feel defensive, but all I would do is what I called content listening. And I would say to her, okay, so on a scale of one to 10, or I first, I would just repeat what she had said. I hear you saying, <laughs> She'd say yes. Then I would shift to emotional listening, just trying to figure out why this is so important. Right. And a lot of times I would just really simply just say on a scale of one to 10, how important is this to you? And she'd be like, this is like an eight. And and for me, it was like a three. And I'd be like, okay, we're way, way, we're far, far different on this. So help me understand why this matters to you so much. And the more I listened, the more I could own stuff, the more I was secure on my foundation, the more I could listen, the more I could loan. And, you know, she started, even if I didn't agree, she felt loved. She felt heard.
0: Yeah. Wow. Y- you know, what I appreciate about what you're, sharing right now is that the, I I have a feeling this is not very easy for you oh no you know like when you were <laughs> when you were doing this that it was very hard and very painful um so I I have a question I I have clients that struggle with something similar um have a hard time they can do the okay I hear you say you know I hear you say they can kind of how do we connect to the place of where like you said something there where you're like this must have been like this for Jen like you started to move from Just repeating back what she's saying to, to me, I feel like it's you increased your capacity to actually have empathy for her and see that beyond defending, you know, Rob, beyond Rob being right. You started to move into this place of, wow, Jen actually is feeling hurt and that you increased the capacity to be able to actually hold space for her pain that was caused by you. How did you move into that?
1: So one, um, I think learning the difference between content listening and emotional listening was super helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Right. So content listening, I hear what you say, I repeat it back to you in my own words. So I hear you saying you're upset with me because I'm not helping enough around the house. Got it, right? But well, when I have content listening, I'll listen to you. I got it. I can repeat it. And you know, for a day, two, a week, maybe two weeks, I'll change and then I'll go right back to the own habit. Right. Because I don't really understand how important this is to you. I don't understand how this is making you feel. I understand what you said, but I don't understand the impact this is having on your soul, on your heart. I don't understand the damage it's causing. So I had to get to the place where I actually heard her heartbeat, heard her intent, not just her content. And that was really, really important for me to start to listen. The second thing is, and you know, so, all right. For what it's worth, Heidi, right? The only time I'm ever miserable in my life is when I'm making it too much about me. I have never once ever been miserable in my life when I'm making it too much about Jesus and too much about Jen. The only time I am ever miserable in my marriage is when the siren song of self is playing in my heart. It is. What about me? What about my feelings? What about my rights? What about my needs? What about my opinions? What about me? That siren song of self is calling me to the rocks, just like Odysseus, and I'm going to crash on the rocks. That's where it's calling me, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out how to die to self. Mm-hmm. Jesus told me to pick up my cross daily and die. That was a great theoretical passage, but working it out into my marriage existence changed my life.
0: Mm. Wow, that is so good. The the siren of yourself. (laughs) I've never heard that before. Okay, so I I have questions about your book and I have a lot of questions about even you talk about like deliverance, but I I have a follow-up question of what you're saying that's actually about what you said about, you know, basically giving your life to Jesus and, and following him. So you're not focusing on yourself. The world right now is very much focused on the self. And I don't want to, I don't want to look at it and be like, you know, offended at that to me, it's, Mm -hmm. it makes me, it makes me sad because I see the fruit from that. And, and that we have a lot of people struggling with mental health. And so I don't see that it's something that's actually very fruitful, but what about the, because we deal with this in therapy, we ha- we work with teens who are struggling with cutting and um, suicidal thoughts. And a lot of what happens is they, they'll they come into therapy and we'll, we'll find out that they really were very invalidated. Right. And in therapy, so it's almost like sometimes therapy is kind of not helpful, mm-hmm. because we are fostering this, you need to be validated, but there's also wounds and a little child that really was invalidated and very hurt. So how do you kind of balance between that invalidation trauma that pain of needing to feel hurt but then not jumping to this other place of this where you're so self-focused which is i get to be me you know we have women that they finally are like i finally discovered myself so i'm going to divorce and leave my children and it's like okay wait wait like why did you have children and why did you get married but it's like i get to be me now and it's all about me and i'm free and no that's not freedom so how do we how do we balance that and and really focus on what jesus says
1: Yeah, I mean, so everybody gets wounded, right? So um, one of the things that I teach in soul care is everybody's wounded. It's just a matter of degree, right? Nobody escapes this sin-stained planet without hurt wounds. So everybody's wounded. Jesus was wounded. Everybody's wounded. The question is, what do you do with your wounds? The problem with wounds is they can make us very self-centered. So here's what happens to lots of wounding, right? So a lot of us get hurt. And when we get hurt, it pauses, puts us in a head down posture, right? We get a bent will, we get shame. And and here's the problem with shame, right? Here's the posture of shame. I'm I'm looking down. Hmm. The problem is as soon as I focus like that, I can't see anybody else. The only person I ever see anymore is me. I make life too much about me. So again, what about me? If, if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. If you knew me, you wouldn't accept me. I wouldn't belong. I don't have what it takes. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I can't make that happen. And it's all very self-focused talk. But the yeah. whole concept of our identity in Christ is that we are in Christ. Christ is in us. Mm-hmm. There, there's this union that takes place and the spirit of God is deposited in us. So we're no longer victims. Right. And so much of the shame... And self-focus is coming out of a victim mentality.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have been, and, and sadly, when we're validating the victim mentality, we're enabling people to stay broken.
0: That's, uh, that's
1: transformational. Yeah. Okay. So I want to validate your pain. And then I want to look you in the eye and say, listen, you've been victimized, but you are not a victim. Mm-hmm. Not in Christ, you're not. You have what it takes to overcome because you have Christ in you. You do not have to live as a victim. And so, you know, that's part of it. We, we have validated the victim mentality in our process of trying to validate people's emotions and their pain. And that's just not helpful. And this whole concept of you can define yourself to be whatever you want. It, you know, listen, 20 years ago in the mental health industry, we would have called that insanity. We would have literally looked at someone who was defining as a furry, for example, mm-hmm. and we would have looked at that person and go, they need mental health help. And now we look at that person and go, if you say they they can't be that you need mental health help. Yeah. You are a bigoted, narrow minded, hateful right. person, right? And it's like, whoa, 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 I'm actually just trying not to enable you. Right.
0: Yeah, this is, I mean, that is really true. So this is really helpful. And what you're saying, that reminds me of Matthew 11:28. 28, come to me all who are weary and heavy burden. Like he's saying, he sees our pain. He sees our hurt. Come to me when you're, when you're heavy burdened, like he doesn't want us to just, you know, buck up and get over it. He actually wants us to come to him with pain, but then we give him our pain. That's why he died on the cross for us.
1: Right. And we experience his healing presence so we can move forward in life, not as victims any longer, mm-hmm. not with a self-focus. Right. The idea is that we become Christ-centered, mm. Christ-obsessed, and Jesus becomes our first love and our primary obsession. And yeah. now we're able to love people because of, we have a healed soul. right? You know, so the right. line in Isaiah 53, right? By his wounds, we are healed, right? That's what Isaiah 53 is talking about. Jesus, he's wounded. Mm. And by his wounds, we are healed. So the gist is, if I give access to Jesus, My wounds, if I give my wounds access to Jesus, Jesus touches me with his wounds and I become a wounded healer. If I don't allow Jesus to have access to my wounds, I just remain a wounder.
0: That's true. That's so good. So we have have a
1: victim mentality. I'm not
0: giving them access. So then we actually.
1: It's not Christ focused.
0: Yeah. So what you just, you just actually gave me a revelation that we have many people who are wounded therapists, wounded pastors. So we have people who are in leadership and who are supposed to be helping other people, but they're actually wounded themselves and they're not actually free.
1: And you, you know, you only have authority over that, which you walk in victory, right? So if you have not developed victory from Jesus in an area where you're wounded, all you're doing is enabling people's wounding.
0: Yeah so this is why I love what you're doing what you're teaching um you have a lot of favor in different churches so it's not just you know charismatic church it's not just lutheran church like you're in many different spheres of influence yeah and
1: it's been all over the map it's been crazy and fun so
0: and i'm encouraged by that though cuz when i started learning about god moving in power and then i need to bring in the power of the holy spirit I found that not all churches operate in this, and i and yeah. I was like, why, you know? So I'm wondering why. When I go in and I read the Bible, I see that this is what God says. Like, why don't we do that? And even you talked about in your book that Matthew twenty two twenty nine says that you're an heir. He's talking to the, the the leaders in the church back then. Jesus said, "You're an heir because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God." So, yeah. what could you say? Is, is you're coming in and you're teaching about the soul healing, you're teaching about deliverance, what's going on with us and leadership in the church and that we are not operating in the power of God?
1: So obviously some of this stuff's our Western worldview, right? Um, I talk about this in the book, but we'll use this as an analogy just to help people understand the Western mm-hmm. worldview. But I talk about the fact that the, the Scooby-Doo theory, Okay. <laughs> So if you looked at Scooby-Doo, it's the longest running TV show in the history of TV. It started in 1968. They're still having Scooby-Doo episodes on some channel out there right now, new episodes. But the early ones were absolutely baptizing us in a modern worldview. And this was what would happen. There was a ghost at the beginning of the cartoon. 22 and a half minutes later, Scooby and the gang would resolve that there was not really a ghost. It was a bad guy dressed up as a ghost. What they were teaching us was that behind an apparent supernatural phenomenon was a natural explanation. That the supernatural world does not really meet and interact with the natural world. That's modernism. We were baptized into the waters of modernism. So literally it blinded us to our biblical lenses. Mm. We didn't have, as Jesus uses his phrase a lot, we did not have eyes to see or ears to hear. And so we normalized powerlessness because that was part of our Western worldview, right? And, and we normalized it. We went, well, you know, he only did this. I mean, literally theologies formed out of this Western concept, and they went, oh, you know, Jesus only did these miracles to prove. And then once the age of the apostles was done, they didn't need miracles anymore, because now we have the canon. We have the word. We don't mm-hmm. need
0: miracles. Mm-hmm.
1: You can't find that stuff in scripture. You're making that stuff up, right. right? As a matter of fact, my line would be that there is no authentic proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom without a demonstration of power. And the reason I believe that is because of what the kingdom, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom is all about. Mm-hmm. It's been reduced by most evangelicals in a Western worldview to you're a sinner. You need to repent, believe in Jesus. You'll be saved. You endure church. One day you die, you get to go to heaven. Yeah. Okay? That's the that's gospel. Right. But that's not the gospel. uh. Uh-uh. The gospel Jesus had was the reversal of everything that went wrong with the world when sin entered the world. So yeah, there was forgiveness for sins. There was also reconciliation. There was also healing. There was also deliverance. Why? Because when you get to heaven, you're not going to have any sick people. And when you get to heaven, you're not going to have any demonized people. You only find those people in the church. You don't find those people in heaven, right? So that's just all cured when you get to heaven. So when Jesus shows up in a town, casts out demons, heals the sick, saves the lost, sets the captives free. Why? Because he's reversing everything that broke when sin entered the world. That's wow. what the kingdom is all about. So that's why I say, I don't think there's an authentic proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom without demonstrations of power. I, I just don't. I don't think it's there in the gospel. You can't find that stuff.
0: Right. So why aren't we operating like that in more churches when that's the
1: gospel? We're desperate for renewal. The church is desperate for Mm. renewal. We have substituted learned behaviors for authentic experience, Mm. substituted right beliefs for real encounters. And, you know, that's the stuff that's got to get set straight. We've got to get back to the authentic.
0: Mm.
1: Then. When I'm encountering Jesus, that's when I start to have worldview shifts. And Mm -hmm. Here's the kingdom in a nutshell. When Jesus shows up, the kingdom comes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When you and I show up, nothing happens. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing."
0: nothing.
1: So when I show up, nothing happens. Unless I am so deeply abiding in Christ that when I show up, Jesus shows up. Because when I show up and Jesus shows up because I am marked by his presence, then the kingdom shows up. And that's when we start to see the kingdom arrive. But if I don't have enough death to self, Mm. intimacy with Jesus, I'm not marked by his presence.
0: Yeah. And so when you talk about in your book that when we're saved, you know, that 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 work of sanctification is like we, you know, the work of Christ is complete, but within us, we still have like worldly culture and this kind of worldview. And so then that kind of can keep us from receiving the power and revelation, but that we may need to move to that kingdom culture, that kingdom mindset. And so that's where, so you talked about, you know, like, this is why soul care is important. Our soul is what needs shifting. Yeah, well, um, so can well you been. talk about, yeah, can you talk about that, how we mer- move from this worldly culture and so when when you're talking about then when we show up the you know the kingdom of god shows up because he's in us and can you talk about how we can move from that world yeah. view
1: yeah so a couple of things but i'm going to give you something that's not in the book okay, okay. Um, <laughs> on, on the front end so wrestle with this concept with me for a second this isn't one of my other books it's in uh, spiritual authority but it's not in this okay. book yep. but it is about your identity but yeah. yourself life that part of you that is self-reliant self-dependent self-centered sometimes self-protective self-defending your self-life is most strongly formed in your greatest area of childhood wounding now that is because when you're a child you don't have the ability to process well so you have to develop coping mechanisms to protect yourself okay so you start to form your self-life now here's the problem you ready When we get older, we just start to, we've had this now so long. We have done this so long. We go, well, that's just the way I am. I was born that way. And, you know, we justify our defensiveness and our insecurity and our lack of emotional intelligence. Like I was not in touch with lots of my emotions because of my self-life. I had walled up, right? I had protected myself from pain. And so I didn't have a lot of emotional bandwidth. There was stuff I could get real in touch with anger and defensiveness, but I didn't feel at all. When I was afraid, I felt anger, Hmm. power emotions because of my, my protection. That was part of my protection. But here's the problem, you ready? Where self is formed in you, Christ cannot be formed in you until you die to self. So a lot of times what God is doing is bringing us into places where we have to choose to die to self so that now Christ can truly be formed in us. But, you know, I was relying on myself. So for example, let's use power. We talked about defensiveness, right? The two biggest forms of power I was using in my relationship with Jen. Number one, defensiveness. Number two, silence. I would be hurt, I'd be upset. She would do something that was offensive to me and I would wall up with silence. No conversation, right? And Jen would come up to me and she'd be like, are you angry with me? And I'm like, no, I'm not angry. You know, I'm just not myself or whatever, because I couldn't admit it was anger because I actually just was shut down. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a home where my dad was angry, right? He would yell and scream. My anger was frozen, so it didn't feel like anger. Mm -hmm. Right. And I would justify, well, that's just the way I am, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Until I died to my defensiveness, until I died to my silence, which is a form of manipulation, Christ could not be formed in me. Because I was relying on my self-protection. And I had to die to that stuff. I was just teaching on this last night, Heidi, and somebody said to me, well, how did you die to silence? I went, I gave myself no more permission. Mm. I said, the problem with lots of us is we give ourselves permission to to be dysfunctional and sinful. Yes. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says I need to repent. I'm manipulating my wife. This has got to stop. Yeah, so I'm giving myself no more permission to be silent wow. and I must engage.
0: Wow, that's what so that good.
1: actually formed Christ in me, right? That was super, yeah, yeah. It was transformational for me.
0: Yeah, but I, I think another key that you're not talking about that you talk about in the book is you spend time with God. Oh, huge, yeah. So I think there's many people that they're just were distracted and we're focusing all sorts of other things, but. That is a priority to you because, and you give space for God to talk to you. So every day you're spending time with God.
1: Yeah. So every day I mean, today, I mean, I've already spent time with the Lord this morning and yesterday I spent an entire day alone with God. Aww. I spent a day alone with God one day a month, every month alone with God. Um, I, I, again, it's, it's not complicated, but if I'm abiding, then I'll be marked by the presence and then I'll start to see all this transformation personally, but the fruits of the kingdom mm-hmm. will follow where I go because uh, I'm marked by his presence
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and, and it impacts your marriage. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I had to figure out what authentic abiding looks like and, you know, not just doing religion. Listen, mm-hmm. the Pharisees mm-hmm. read their Bible and prayed and they killed Jesus. Mm-hmm. You could read your Bible and pray and not become like Jesus. Yeah. So it has to be authentic encounter, not simply learn behaviors. Right. And, you know, so often what happens to us is we know we're supposed to read our Bible and pray in order to be good Christians. So we check it off our list. Like you got to do the rest of your to-do list. Mow the lawn, change the oil in the car, do the dishes, whatever. Right. We have this stuff. We check it off. And that's religion. We check off. I read my Bible. I prayed. I'm a good Christian. But again, if you're not living like a deeply loved person in all your human interactions and displaying love to people that are not loving you, are you really a good Christian? Right. As Jesus said, even the pagans love their friends. You don't get any credit for that. The only credit you get is when you're loving people that are unloving to you. Yeah. So that's the mark of Jesus' presence in you. You love someone that's being awful to you. Now you're living like Jesus.
0: That's good. So good, but you can't
1: Um, get there right without being in His presence. Yes, yeah, dying to self. Right, that's super important.
0: Yeah. Before I have you kind of finish up and pray for our listeners, I wanted to ask something about mental health. You you talk about when you you know ran into starting to do deliverance. You you recognize that this person is this is a spiritual issue. Um, And so you talk about that there's emotional issue, that's mental health, there's a physical issue, you go to the doctor, and it also could be a spiritual issue. So I kind of liked how you laid that out. Can you talk about, though, because I feel like sometimes emotional issues and spiritual issues can overlap and connect, and I could be wrong about that. So can you help give me some clarity on? Definitely can. Okay.
1: Here's a key line that I use, right? You can't cast out human Right. You can educate, medicate, or counsel a demon. You have to discern when you're actually dealing with a demonic presence. The only solution for a demonic presence is to cast it out. Hmm. Okay. The word, the Greek word is demonization. Unfortunately, a lot of our English translations say demon possession. It's a terrible translation because yeah. possession implies ownership. And this does mm-hmm. not apply ownership. Right. Actually, the Greek word demonization implies an indwelling demonic presence. And the Greek word for deliverance is ekbalo, which means to cast out. It's because it's inside and it must be kicked out. Okay. So when you have a demonic presence dwelling within, the only solution is to cast that thing out. Hmm. The symptoms, therefore, that it is creating will leave with it. But that which is emotional damage is going to remain behind. So let me give you an example. Let's use sexual abuse because it's a Clear example that has happened to so many people. Latest stats in the US 60% of women have said they have some level of sexual abuse. 50% of men in our society have some level of sexual abuse. That means, you know, more than half of every single crowd I ever speak to has been experiencing yeah. sexual abuse. Yeah. Okay. So when that happens, obviously there's emotional trauma and pain. It is going to create insecurity. It is going to create lots of um. Uh, victim mentality stuff. Sometimes same yep. identity issues, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be fear. People yeah. have been sexually abused are going to have natural fears that come mm-hmm. from the trauma. That's emotional. Right. Yep. And with that comes lots of control issues because fear, you know, the root of control is fear and shame all the time. Right. So when people are wrestling with control manipulation issues, it's rooted in fear and shame. And yeah. so that's what you're dealing with. So they got all that stuff. Now, they also have all this other stuff that's demonic. When there's sexual abuse and there's penetration of any form um, with a penis, a tongue, a finger, an object, as far as I've ever seen, when there's penetration, demonization takes place, the person ends up with demonic spirits. When that happens, you can do all the therapy in the world and they're still going to have certain symptomatic expressions that are demonic. Hmm. until they get rid of those demons, the expressions will still be there. And I'll give you just a couple of examples of Mm -hmm. the manifestations of a demonic presence, right? So one of the things lots of people experience, they see or are tempted with sexual thoughts or images during sacred space, Bible Mm
0: -hmm. prayer
1: worship, especially worship. They're in a public worship and boom, they get hit with a sexual image or a sexual thought. And uh, hear me, that's not normal.
0: Yeah, that's good. You cast
1: that thing out, boom, that stops. Okay. Lots of these people will feel a dark presence in their room at night, feels like a bullying, intimidating presence. And it's, of course, terrifying. Mm -hmm. And it's actually one of these sexual abuse spirits lined up in the corner of the room, intimidating them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes it crosses over and they have sleep paralysis, they feel pinned to the bed. Yeah. You know, they want to scream out Jesus' name if they know Jesus can't scream. And it doesn't usually last long. Three minutes, sort of top end, and mm-hmm. uh, and then it'll pass. But, you know, terror, yeah right? yep. Then they'll sometimes cross over into the person's dreams and they'll have perverted sexual dreams, like children being touched or mm-hmm. incest dreams mm-hmm. or dreams where somebody's chasing after them to rape them, for example, yeah. okay? After a deliverance, all the symptoms will go away that yeah. I just, mentioned. and I've literally done deliverances on people thousands of times with these kinds of spirits and every one of those symptoms leave. Wow. I have also done deliverance on people who have bipolar and after their deliverance, bipolar was gone, cured. As a matter of fact, I just talked to a guy 10 days ago. He said to me, you did my deliverance two years ago. All my bipolar was gone. Now assume, hear me. Yeah. Not all yeah. bipolar is demonic. Right. But when it is demonic, you can't educate, medicate or counsel a demon. The only solution is deliverance. I have seen people who had, you know, anxiety, super high levels. As a matter of fact, you know, characterized, medicated with, you know, anxiety disorders, get all kinds of medication, never, ever get better. 20 years worth of this stuff. One deliverance, boom, anxiety gone. 10 minutes.
0: How do we discern whether it is a demon or emotional that needs to be dealt with? With edu- well, you I'm know, it's therapy.
1: Both and Heidi. Right? Not okay. Even okay. And so yeah, so this is why in the book I talk about doing a spiritual test, right? Mm, so John mm-hmm. four tells us to test the spirits. So literally, I do a spiritual test. But what I do is usually just listen to someone's story, and if I listen to their story, usually I can really accurately predict whether or not they're going to have demonic stuff and okay. i'm just listening to your story and i know where demons sort of get access mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah there's going to be some demonic stuff here you know Got it. And, um, and then i and then i do it you know lead them through soul care i never do deliverance until they've done soul care but that yeah, that's way good. they're mm-hmm. doing all the identity stuff dealing yep. with all that fear yep. with yep. all the forgiveness issues and all the demonic strongholds around is broken yeah and then when i do deliverance we can just just cast out the demons and then lots of the symptoms
0: leave wow that's good so i mean i'd love it if you could this is like a perfect time to just pray for the listeners because i'm sure what you just shared stirred stirred some things up if there's any if there's anything else that you wanted to share feel free to to do that if if there was something else that was showing up for you that I'll mm-hmm. say
1: one is um if you know read through soul care mm-hmm. that can be super helpful for you to start mm-hmm. to realize what's demonic, what's human, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and then
1: two, um, if you really need deliverance, you read it and you go, Oh my gosh, I see myself in this, like I need deliverance. Come to a soul care conference, we can do it. You can also find churches around, you have to sort of search for them, sadly. I know I know ministry that's been abandoned by the church. Yes. But it's
0: coming it's back grown. though. I feel like it, it is. is growing because it's there's growing. so many hurting people, and people in the church are getting revelation about the power of deliverance, and that yep. that's what Jesus did. Like it's, hey, yeah. it turns out Jesus
1: is smart. Who knew?
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yes. life's better without demons. Jesus. Yeah. is smart. right. So. A-
0: absolutely. Let me yes, pray. For you. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Lord, uh, first I just pray for the peace of Christ to rest upon people. One of my favorite things about you, Jesus, is you're never nervous. Man, I'm telling you, when we were going through those early years, Father, it was was terrifying to me. I didn't know it was fear that I was feeling. I was feeling all kinds of power and control issues and stuff, but, man, Jen felt like super, uh, you know, smothered by my attempts to fix it. And it was driven by fear. And I finally got to the place where I realized you love me in all my brokenness and I don't need to obsess about it. I just need to be faithful to deal with what you're bringing to me. And I don't need to get everything perfect. It takes one day longer than a lifetime to finally be like Jesus. When we get to heaven, we'll be like him. In the meantime, we're on a journey and we're broken. It's okay, you're not nervous. So I just pray for peace. Help us to get our eyes on Jesus and not so much on ourselves. We really focus too much on us, Lord. So help us to really fix our eyes on you and then i pray for people lord that they would get all the help they need they need therapy and counseling but they're also sometimes they do need inner healing and soul care stuff and then sometimes they need deliverance it's real that's why you did this ministry jesus you did it because you knew people had demons demons were real and they wouldn't get better without it And so may we get the help we need from the various resources that are out there so we can find freedom and live in fullness in Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much. So tell them how they can get a hold of you, how they can attend a Soul Care conference. Um, Your book is on Amazon or your website, uh, renewalinternational.org.
1: That's correct. So renewalinternational.org. Truth is, if you Google my name, Rob Reamer, which is R-E-I-M-E-R. But if you Google my name, it'll pop up. The website will be one of the first things that shows up. And uh, on our website, there's a page that is there called events, upcoming events or something like that. You go out on the events page, you'll see where I'm doing soul care conferences. I can tell you right now, uh, I'm taking the summer off. So You know, you won't find another soul care event unless you want to drive or fly to Australia until uh, probably um, October is the next. Actually, doing a soul care conference in the U.S.
0: Okay, Um, but they can also get your book, and they can search you on YouTube and also on where podcasts are found. You've been guests in other people's podcasts and at other churches, Um, so they can also find you there. So I just want to spell it out. His name is Rob. And then Reimer is R-E-I-M-E-R. So you can Google him to find that out. And I'll make sure to put all the links um, where where the podcast is listed um, below the description. So thank you so much, Rob. Dr. Rob, this has been an honor to have you.
1: Oh, it's been fun to be with you, Heidi.
0: Thanks for listening to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread mental health awareness with Jesus at the Center. You can also check me out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or my website at HeidiMortensenLMFT.com. See you at our next episode.